You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Akome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here. And today in the guest chair, we have Denitra Burnett. She is the founder and CEO of Savvy Events, a seven-figure Los Angeles-based event production and creative agency with an MBA from Cal State San Bernardino and a BA in communications from Howard University. Denitra has used her creativity and grit to climb to the top of the events industry. She is a regular on the Biz Bash 500 list of the nation's most influential event planners and works closely with entertainment titans and Fortune 500 companies like HBO, Netflix, and HP, just to name a few. She also works alongside her husband, Lawrence, and when they're not producing impactful brand experiences, you will find them raising and hanging out with their two vivacious sons at their home in LA. Now, in today's episode, you're going to hear how when the events business was shut down due to the pandemic, Demetra pivoted. She pivoted into producing custom mailers. Her clever thinking, creative problem solving, and creative ideation led her to scale her business to the seven-figure mark, and it is continuing to grow. I love her story. I love her journey. I hope it's motivational to you guys. So let's get right into it. So, Denitra, welcome to the guest chair. It's so good to have you here. Thank you for having me, Nikayla. I'm super excited to chat with you today. I am as well. So you um, did your BA in communications like myself. You, you went to Howard. I did. So was that when you were bitten by the entrepreneurship bug surrounded by so many Black excellent people? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, at Howard, I feel like I learned so much, but I don't think I was bitten by the entrepreneurship bug until after I graduated from mm-hmm. Howard. Um, I learned so much, of course, while I was there and just seeing everyone excel and so much Black excellence. But I didn't get bitten by the bug until I would say I had my first internship. It was after I graduated from Howard. I interned in New York for, they're called Zagat Survey. So they basically, they rate restaurants and nightlife in major metropolitan cities. And so I know they had that book. They had that book. They do. They have the get guide. (laughs) Yes. So I interned there in 2000 and I'm aging myself in 2004 when I graduated from Howard, that was my first internship. And I did events for them. And so with their communications team and I loved it. And I knew then like, okay, I think I want to do something with this whole party planning thing. Mm. And so that's kind of when I I made that decision. So coming out of college, did you go immediately into this field? So that was the internship, right? (laughs) So that was an internship. After I finished the internship in New York, I moved back home to the Inland Empire, Southern California. Okay. And I worked as a substitute teacher for a couple of years. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I'm like, do I want to go back to school? So I applied to law school. And then I'm like, I don't really think I want to do that either. And so <laughs> I got, I, I subbed for a couple of years and then I got a job at a nonprofit working as their communications coordinator. And it was a lot of events and fundraising. And I knew, I knew then like, okay, I'm, I'm liking the events piece of the job. And so 
I worked there for about a year and a half and then I went and got my MBA. So when okay. I was in grad school, I took an entrepreneurship course and one of the assignments was to start a business. And I knew I wanted to get into events. And so I had a friend of a friend who was getting married and she ended up hiring me as her wedding planner. And she had a vision for her event, but no yeah. money to really execute <laughs> that vision, which I find happens a lot with brides. But I did that event. And even though it was chaos and not my ideal type of event, yeah. I loved it. Like I knew that events was something that I wanted to pursue full time. And so I just kept kind of working towards that. That's how you know when something is for you. Because if you can make it through a bridezilla and yes. still want to do events. Exactly. That, that is a sign. So what happened next? How long did you work not in events before you started actually doing it some more? So after I graduated from my MBA program, I got a full-time job as the director of community relations for a university. And okay. so the great thing about that is I got to do events still. So I was still working in the event space and really cultivating relationships, which I think has been key just kind of to where I'm at today is just the relationship cultivation piece of it. But I worked at that university for two years. I did events, but I was also doing um, weddings on the side. So okay. I did events for my nine to five. We did like different community events. We did um, an event. I was actually on the Tia and Tamara show a million years ago with Tamara because she served Get as our out. keynote speaker. <laughs> I know she served as our keynote speaker for one of the events that I did. And I knew that I wanted to do large events. I knew I wanted to do corporate events. Yeah. And at some point I wanted to pivot out of doing weddings, but okay. I did weddings on the side. I made money, you know, on the weekends doing weddings as just like a day of coordinator for a lot of brides. And I did that through 2015. I got laid off from my full-time job and my now husband was like, why don't you just try to do events full time? Like, you know, you don't want a nine to five. Why don't you try to pursue this full time? And so I did. I started pursuing events full time in 2015. Shout out to hubby. Shout out to supportive partners who yes. see your vision. Okay. Relatable. Exactly. <laughs> so once you started pursuing it um, full time, what were some of the first steps you took to take it and really formalize it as a business and to start taking it up a notch? For sure. So I did my DBA, of course, just I, I did a DBA for the first couple of years before I, I moved on to an LLC, but I did my DBA and then I started reaching out to people that I knew. Mm -hmm. I would post on, um, I think back then it was, I was posting on Facebook, um, just letting people know like, Hey, I'm offering these event planning services. And then I would start getting gigs. So yeah. I remember my pastor was doing an event for her 50th birthday back then. And they hired <laughs> me to plan the yeah. event. I had friends tell some of their jobs about me. So then I started getting hired for corporate stuff. Mm. And it was really just being strategic with letting people know that I was offering the service. And that's how I started to just get more and more events rolling in. I was just, I've always been Hustling. really smart yeah. and really kind of savvy with like reaching out to people. Okay. So I'm and always going to shoot my shot. 
Yes, yes. I love it. Now, in those beginning days, were you also like putting up a website and starting? I know you have your social media channels now. At what stage did you incorporate that element? So I have done websites from the very beginning, even when I was, you know, posting my services on Craigslist back in the day. I would go on (laughs) Etsy and I would always find someone who had like a website template or something. And I always had a website. From the beginning, I always made sure that I became friendly with the photographers that shot my events. Mm -hmm. So if it was a wedding, I would always make sure that I got the photographer's information and then she would share pictures with me after the wedding. And so I always made sure I kept my portfolio tight. And that's something from the very beginning. So even when yeah. it was like super basic events, yeah. I had pictures of them. Okay. And I was able to leverage that into getting more events because I mean, in the event space, people want to see what you can do. Yeah. And this was, you know, Facebook was around then and Instagram was very new. So I would post on those channels, but I, I don't know if that was super helpful in the beginning. I know that my website helped and I would blog all of the events. Um, So I always tried to be strategic when it came to social media and just like having a web presence. Mm. And as you were building, how did you manage (laughs) bandwidth of actually doing the events, right? And not having Mm -hmm. all of your weekends or all of your weeks devoted to other people. How did you manage that while also making sure that you had a certain amount of income each month? Not very well. Um, (laughs) To be completely honest, in the beginning, luckily my husband worked. And so if I had really slow months, it's like, well, we have enough to pay the rent. We have enough to pay this car note, you know, like we're going to figure it out. And so in the beginning, it was hard because I would take any client that came my way. If you had a $5,000 budget, I will make your $5,000 budget work. (laughs) And even if I'm making $250, it was kind of crazy. But I always knew if I, if I was able to pivot out of weddings and into corporate, there was just more money. Mm-hmm. Like there's just more money in corporate events and there's less emotion. Yeah. You know, brides, it's their, you know, their parents' life savings, you know, for their wedding and their pension pennies. And with corporate, it's just it's less emotion. It's very straightforward and to the point. Yeah. Um, this is our budget, these are our objectives, and I kind of operate that way. I prefer that. Um yep. to the emotion. <laughs> Yes, the emotion is a lot, you know, speaking as a, a former bride. Um, yes. <laughs> I won't say bridezilla, but I will say a, a very, you know, a bride with a vision. So, but moving uh, right along. A bride with a vision, girl. <laughs> a bride with a vision is a crazy bride. Nothing worse than okay. a bride with a vision. It. <laughs> I get it. I get it because we all have like, you know, hopes and dreams for yeah. our wedding day. But like... Yeah. You, there are planners that can help execute that. It just wasn't mm-hmm. my, my passion. Yeah. I was going through your Instagram recently and, you know, something that you mentioned really stood out to me. And you said, you know, we can talk about work-life balance and boundaries later, but, you know, I will answer that call at 11. I will do work at this time. How do you manage that, especially being a mom? Like what what makes you okay with that right now? So 
it's a constant juggling act, right? Mm-hmm. I am growing a now, and we'll talk about this, a completely new division of my business. Right. And I'm working with clients that require so much of me mm. that in this season, I'm okay with that. It's something I am working on. Like I talked to my therapist. I have two cell phones now. I have one for work, one for personal. So I have been trying to be a little bit more conscious of setting those boundaries with mm-hmm. clients. But when we're in the thick of a big project, like I just, I mean, we do mailers now as well. Yeah. So if I'm in a, the thick of a project and I know a project is landing in hands tomorrow mm-hmm. and there's an issue with the project and a client has to reach me at 11 p.m., I mean, I have to answer. Yeah. I answer because if we're in the thick of it, I, I'd have to make sure that that project is executed to perfection. Of course. And so, you know, you do what you have to do. Are they calling me at 11 and emailing me at, you know, midnight every single night? No. Okay. But if we're in the middle of something big, I'm, I always try to make myself available. And that's the nature of client-based businesses. And I think it's it's something yes. I wanted to call out because I think uh, a lot of people feel guilt around that. And it's it's a different business model. Like you have to do what is working for your business, what your business requires in the season it requires um, until you, exactly. know, you scale it beyond that. So before we get into the mailers, because I think the mailers are so interesting, but how long had you worked in doing uh, solely events before you got into mailers? So solely events, I started Savvy in 2009, Mm -hmm. just as events, primarily weddings back then. So 2009, and then we didn't start doing, you know, mailers until 2020. Yep. So I did, I did solely events for the bulk of my, of my career. And did you bring on a team or do you hire people for event, event by event basis? I hire people on an event by event basis. Um, it was I was able to keep my expenses lower by doing that. So anytime we had an event, I have go to assistants that I work with day of. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I was able to manage it. I had a VA that I worked okay. with, and and then just it was me. I was I was the business. Now, how were you able to to? secure people who you could call on like that with such regularity, because I think that's really important to have. But, you know, if people are doing all sorts of different things, how do you make sure that you have that regular person that you can have assist you with an event? For sure. So if I booked events, say, say I was doing a wedding and they booked me six months out. Yeah. I would literally reach out to my people then like, Hey, I have a wedding on November 5th. I need your assistance. Can you put it on your calendar now? Yeah. Yeah. So they would already know. And I wasn't coming to them last minute. Now, when I shifted and started doing more influencer events and tastemaker events, a lot of these companies are bringing me on literally two weeks out to plan. Oh, the event. Man. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's a much faster turnaround. And I would just, I have my go-to people. So it's a lot of, you know, some of them are friends. Some of them are former clients that I, mm. that um, are my assistants now. And so I just always make sure that I'm very communicative with them and I'll yeah. send a text. I'll send an email like, Hey, I need you on this date. Are you available? Okay. Or sometimes if I'm really in a bind, it's like, Hey, do you have a friend um, who's available as well? I mean, it's it's not rocket science day of. Yeah. You need to be able to follow direction. You need yeah. to, <laughs> you know, be a nice person. And it's, it's, you know, so I'm able to usually find people uh, at the last minute if I need to. 
So guys, have you been thinking about starting your own podcast? So you've been thinking about all these different ideas or you have one idea that just keeps coming back to you, but you're not sure how to start. Or if you have started, you're not sure why you can't grow it as much as you want to grow it. And you're also confused about how to truly make it your side hustle, right? Like how do you go from having this show that you do in your closet like I do to actually making money and actually using it as a platform to grow? Well, that's what I'm here for. I am going to be teaching you how to make podcasts in your side hustle. Go over to podcastmoguls.com to register so we can go over some things. All right. And it's also your opportunity to pick my brain. Stay until the end so you can get to the Q&A and you can ask me anything that you want to ask me about podcasting. You can talk to me about challenges and I am here as your resource. This training is completely free. I love doing this because you can walk away from this training and completely make a difference in your show. So go over to podcast podcastmoguls.com. Make sure you are registered. Again, that's podcastmoguls.com to learn how to make podcasting your side hustle. So let's talk about money a little bit. Um, Now, for people who are in the event space who are listening to this, how do you go about your projections? How do you go about your bookings and how far in advance do you try to book up to make sure you can project out your income for the year? That's a little challenging to do, especially when I kind of pivoted to doing more corporate and influencer events. Mm-hmm. Like I said, with the influencer events, they're very last minute. Okay. So I'll, I work with a lot of PR agencies. So they'll reach out to me like, Hey, we're coming to LA for an event. We need you to secure a venue, handle the design and we have two weeks to do this. That's stressful. Um, and so <laughs> it's, it's definitely, it can definitely be stressful, but I have such solid vendor relationships. Mm-hmm. And I know so many of the venues here mm-hmm. that it's, it's not difficult for me to be able to, to pull that off. Um, one thing that I did do to make sure that I was making money as just an event planner is mm-hmm. I never charged a flat rate once I had my portfolio to where it needed to be. So once I had like a body of work, I don't charge flat rates. You can't hire me for $3,000 to plan your event. I do percentage based pricing and I think every planner should charge on a percentage scale. Percentage of what? Um, Like, you know, registration. So, So I do a percentage of the overall budget. Okay. So if you hire me to produce, um, an influencer event, for instance, and I know, you know, as I'm working through the numbers, your budget's going to be approximately $60,000. I'm always 25% of your budget. That's our fee Yeah. to produce design, manage the events. I have minimums and the minimums are typically based on like the, the size of the event and okay. the scale of the event. And I, I always make sure that I make money. This is because in the beginning, I didn't do I love that. this. Yes. Really? So in yeah. the beginning, a client would come to me and say, Hey, I have a $25,000 budget more so in the corporate space. Uh-huh. They would say, Hey, I have a $25,000 budget. And then we'd get to planning and then that budget would balloon. And now that budget is Mm $50,000. And now instead of just managing maybe five vendors, I'm managing a team of 10 vendors. That's more work for me. Yeah, That's more work for my VA. So I'm spending more money on her hourly rates. I'm spending more time coordinating all of this. And so I should be compensated for that. Yes, A percentage-based pricing structure allows me to be fairly compensated for the time that I'm putting into planning the events. 
That is really, really smart. And I think about a lot of times people come into an event not even realizing what their cost will be. They have a estimate, a budget, and then it balloons. So then how do you manage when it balloons, trusting that they are giving you accurate? Well, you're, I guess you're the one um, hiring. So you have I'm managing insight. it. Yeah, you're managing it. Okay. So you have insight into what the final so we budget just is. Did, yeah. We just did a two-day event for a client. And the first day was a dinner party. The second day, they did a carnival. A couple, they got married um, during the COVID. So they oh, wanted nice. to have like a celebration. Yeah. And so they started with about a $30,000 budget, they said, for both nights. I knew it was not even remotely possible to achieve <laughs> what they wanted to achieve with that budget. Yeah. And by the time it was said and done, we're well over $100,000. If I had charged a flat rate, yeah, I would literally be going crazy right yeah. now because it was so much work, so many vendors to manage loading like just the logistical piece yeah. of managing the events was so much and i i'm happy that i did the event because i was fairly i was fairly compensated yeah. so I, when you're not fairly compensated you're you're not happy yeah, you have an attitude on the event yep. day you know so I learned that though. I think I started implementing percentage-based pricing in 2019 or 2018. Yes. And back then I might've been charging 15% of the budget and with experience, with time, with, you know, my body of work, I'm able to, you know, to charge what I charge now. I love it. And I love that um, you just have that confidence about it. You're like, this is what it is. And that also pushes out people who are not the right client for you because if they have a problem with that (laughs) it's like well this is you have to find someone else exactly and i think sometimes it it takes time for planners i think to implement this type of pricing structure because you do have to have confidence when you're explaining it to a client yes because for many clients it's new to them they're Mm -hmm. like you're not just going to charge me five thousand dollars to plan the party and in some instances, maybe I will, if I'm doing a small graduation dinner, like I, I, I have one coming up, yeah. I can, that's literally 30 people. That's my minimum. My minimum for that event will be 5,000 because it's, it's a small event yeah. that I'm overseeing, I'm designing it and I'm bringing their vision to life and I'm okay with that. But if somehow they decided that they were going to increase their budget, I'm still going to get my percentage. Okay if it goes over that $5,000 threshold. So for smaller planners who are working their way up, how many years do you suggest someone working or is there like a bulk of events, like a number of events they should have experience planning or a size tiers that they should have experience planning well before they look into percentage-based pricing? No, I think everyone can. I think you can be a brand new planner and start off with percentage-based pricing. It's percentage-based, but you can have a minimum. Okay. So that minimum, as long as you're sure that with that minimum, you're able to cover your expenses, your staffing, your needs to still be profitable, charge your minimum. If that's, you know, if you're in Oklahoma and that minimum is $3,000 for whatever the packages, you know, that you're offering, if you offer packages, I think that's perfectly fine. But you know that if a client decides to go up on their budget, you're going to be covered. Okay. Now let's talk about these mailers. When I saw that mailer mm-hmm. from Bel Air on uh, Peacock, I was like, this is fire. <laughs> like, 
like, I want to do this for my birthday party. I love that. And, you know, as someone who's coming from a PR background, I remember a time when, like, if you had an event, you had to, what do you mean you don't have a physical mailer that you're sending to someone? And then in this virtual world, you know, more and more people start to do away with that. And you are bringing this back in a new and even better way. So when did you pivot to mailers and why? And what is a mailer for those who don't know? So a mailer is basically a a press kit, a seating kit that companies will send out to promote a product, a service. Um, I do a lot for the entertainment industry. So we do a lot of basically watch kits for shows that are premiering. And so I got into mailers in September of 2020 during COVID. Once COVID hit, the events industry completely shut down. And so I was at home with a new baby. I had a two-month-old and a four-year-old at home. And I didn't know what we were going to do. Honestly, my husband had gotten laid off. We were just there like, what do we do? And so I got an email from someone at Netflix. Her name is Vanessa Victorian. So shout out to Vanessa. I got an email from Vanessa and she asked me if I did mailers. Her boss, Kelly Hill, also Netflix, had recommended me. And so I didn't even know what a mailer was. I was like, do (laughs) I do mailers? Can I do a mailer? Yes, I can. (laughs) And I remember talking to my husband. I was like, they want us to do something called a mailer. And we're going to like send it to 70 people. I don't know what to do. So I started calling friends. Like I called my girlfriend who was a graphic designer and she was like, oh, I can help you design it. Mm -hmm. Like let's design it. So I said, yes, even though I had no clue. Wow. What, like how to go (laughs) about it. But I knew that I knew who to call. Mm -hmm. I knew who I could reach out to. And I remember it's like, it's so funny. I looked at that email not that long ago. It was September of 2020. We did 70 mailers for this title called Dick Johnson is Dead. Uh It was a very simple yellow shipper box. When they opened it, there was a face mask, like with Dick Johnson's face on it. And underneath it was a jar of cake. Cause it was celebrating Dick Johnson's birthday. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so we Netflix's thing was they really wanted to figure out how we could send a cake mm. to people. And I reached out to my baker and she's like, you know what? We can do like Mason jars yes. and fill them with cake and we can ship them anywhere. And we did that first mailer. I, I talked about it on my Instagram. It was a nightmare. We well, did it happened? in the middle of our living room. Uh-huh. We were in the live our living room of our two bedroom townhouse. I had a four year old who was out of school because of the pandemic, right. and I was wearing my two month old baby. And <laughs> my husband and I literally put all of these seventy boxes together in the middle of our living room. He drove them to FedEx because we back then we didn't even know how to like schedule a FedEx pickup. Yeah. I and I look back and we t- one of my girlfriends was like, "You should take a picture." of what this looks like right now, because you're like, this is going to go somewhere. I thought she was crazy, but I snapped a picture with me holding Joshua and all of these yellow boxes behind me. And I look back at it, like, look at God. Like it's, it's bigger than anything I could have ever imagined. That is amazing. Oh my gosh. Like, 
did the boxes get there? When you said nightmare, I was like, oh no. Was it like male issues? <laughs> they got there. Okay. <laughs> they got there and the clients were stuck. Like the client was so happy yeah. that right after we did that project, they contacted me to do Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, wow. Chadwick's last film. Yeah. And Mind you, we had only done the one little right, small right. mailer. Now you're them. like a professional mailer so, company. <laughs> no, I'm a professional mailer company. So I told Lawrence, my husband, I said, we, we can't do this uh-huh. in the living yeah. room. Like, that's not going to work. We're doing 300 units of these. Yeah. So we rented a warehouse space that we could rent on a month to month basis. Because mm-hmm. we're like, maybe we'll do this for a couple of months. So Netflix just kept hiring us. We did Ma Rainey. Then we did a film called Pieces of a Woman. Uh-huh. Then we did Boxes for Spike Lee. It just it just ballooned after that. And here we are today. I think to date we've done about 40 mailers for, for companies. And it's a completely new business. Mm-hmm. It's a completely new division of my business. So how did that change as far as... When you do an event, right? And we just talked about, you know, the percentage and how the budget gets so it balloons and all this stuff. Did your business model change such that you were making less with the mailers? Are you making similar or more? Like, how did you accommodate that new arm um, as you waited for events to pick up? For sure. So we do the same pricing structure. I still do a percentage-based pricing Mm -hmm. structure with the mailers and the business has just, it's grown. Mm -hmm. So in 2019, we probably brought in around 200,000 in revenue on events, which was like, I was making good. I was happy with that. This year we're slated to make multiple seven figures. It's insane to say it out loud. Say it out loud. Um, (laughs) Shout it. (laughs) It's it's very, it is so funny. I talked to my therapist about this. I'm like, this is so weird. (laughs) And she was like, why is it weird? Because you're literally doing the work. And so now we, you know, we make, the business is making good money. And it's crazy to me that we work with some of the largest companies in the world. Mm Um, they are trusting us to produce these mailers because I think what we do is so different than anything else that I'm seeing in the market right now. And I, one of my clients told me that what sets me apart is that I'm a joy to work with. Wow. It's hard with different with agencies because some people get ego. There's absolutely no ego in this for me. I am still operating like I'm that woman holding the two-month-old baby in my two-bedroom townhouse. I want to do well. I want to bring my best. Every single time, these clients are getting my absolute best. And so if that means me and my husband and our boys are all in the warehouse together, you know, putting boxes together, then that's, that's what we do. So as you're working with these major corporations, are you also adapting your staffing structure to incorporate some of the skill sets that you'll need to continue to produce these mailers? 
For sure. So we currently, right now, I'm, of course, I'm the CEO, I'm the founder, and my husband is working full time with us now as the chief operating officer. And he basically manages the warehouse and the warehouse staff okay. as well. And then I have a lead graphic designer who is absolutely phenomenal. But just based on our workload, we need more than just her. She's awesome, mm -hmm. but we're we're now looking to bring on another graphic designer to basically work under her as her associate designer. Okay. I have my um, executive assistant that works with me. And then we just, we're growing so much that now is the time that we have to start thinking like, you know, like a, a yeah. big girl business, you know, we're, yeah, not a small, yeah. we're not this, you know, small business anymore, just doing, you know, maybe 10, 15 events a year. Now we're doing, I mean, I think we've already done nine mailers and it's April. So yeah. the rest of the year is extremely busy for us and we have to just staff accordingly. Have you started doing live events again as well? I have. So last weekend was my first. I did two live events last weekend. We have a gala coming up in May for our clients and we constantly get inquiries. But right now I've been having to turn so many, you know, prospective clients wow. away so I think we're going to be bringing on an event manager as well that can, because mm -hmm. I don't want to give up events. Like I still yeah. love events. Events is how I started. And mm -hmm. so I still want to be able to offer that service. It's just right now the mailer piece is just taking priority. Yeah. And I mean, it's still, we're still in a time where events are slow than they yes. used to be. They're, they're definitely ramping back up, but we're still in a time where, you know, mailers are very much needed. Are there people who are doing both these days, like mailer event or live box presence at the event? Yeah. So most of our clients, so we work with a lot of clients in the entertainment space. And so they're doing live events and they have teams yeah. that are still managing these live events. But the mailer piece is still huge from a social standpoint. So mm -hmm. it's just a way to continue to increase engagement around a show or just a new title. It, they're able to keep, you know, keep it fresh. Like we're still sending yeah. out Bel Air boxes. We still yeah. have the client <laughs> wanting us to send out Bel Air boxes. So it's I'll get so beautiful. It is a work of art. Yeah. It I just is. love it. it. That box was it opened the floodgates really it's, yeah it's next level um i'll have to see and, if we can insert video or picture because that was that was really i love um, that gorgeous so, yeah that one was that one was special and what was unique about that is that the client peacock allowed us to be creative and mm. it was a it was a collaborative effort so there were many brainstorming sessions with their team we watched screeners so we could kind of get an idea for what the vibe of the show was and we knew that we wanted to highlight the gates of the bank's mansion and so we were able to to bring that to life So we're going to do a quick lightning round. You just answer the very first thing that comes to mind. So what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Yes. So I use a CRM called Dubsado, D-U-B-S-A-D-O. And okay. it's been a game changer for my business. 
All right. I, that's a new one. I haven't heard that. Okay. So what's been the best business book or podcast episode or event that you've been to? I love the Earn Your Leisure podcast. And I just listened to a really good one with Steve Harvey. And there was just so okay. many gems that I took from that. And then number three, who is a Black woman entrepreneur that you would want to trade places with for a day and why? Oh, I like that. Miley Till. I just love okay. how real she is. And she seems to have the mommy piece down too. So I need all <laughs> yes. of that good juju. <laughs> Number four, what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business? I think just taking a moment every day and listening to worship music, it just helps me to like center myself when I know I'm gonna have a yes. crazy day. Yes. And then finally, um, what's your parting advice for fellow Black women entrepreneurs who are, you know, wanting to step out but are scared to lose that steady paycheck? Remember that relationships matter. So mm -hmm. if you're going to leave a job, make sure you leave well. Yeah. Make sure that you are genuine with people because you never know who can help you in the future. You just you never know. So never burn a bridge. So where can people connect with you and learn more about Savvy Events after this episode? Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's at Savvy Events, LLC. Um, I'm also on Facebook at Savvy Events. And my website is www.savvy-events.com. All right. Well, Tanitra, thank you so much for being in the guest chair. You guys, I really hope you truly get the full essence of Savvy Events, this awesome business, this amazing pivot that she did during one of the hardest times that we've all ever seen in life. And I can't wait to see how Savvy Events continues to grow and flourish. Thank you for being an inspiration. Oh, thank you so much, Nikayla. And with that, there you have it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you'll receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.